Hi all of you wonderful sellers out there. Welcome back to another episode of Seller Speak where we learn from real sellers and when they tell their real stories. We have John Elder with us today and he sold his business for mid seven figures. So I think that's something really amazing. So let's get into the session after this quick intro. All right, welcome back. So we have John Elder with us here today. Hi John. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, we're glad to have you. I think uh, selling your Amazon FBA business is something that many people don't n- talk about. And I was surprised because, I, you know, I went on the Internet and I'm like, you know, let me look it up. So I have some content for this video. And I realized that there is not many videos. And I'm just like, but it is so important because that's the end of your journey. Right. So people talk about how to start your Amazon journey, how you can like, you know, make your Amazon journey more meaningful. But what about what do you do in the end? What's the right way? Yeah, so yeah. that's why we have you right here. So yeah. if you can just talk about your journey a little bit with us, uh, where you started from, and then we can jump right into the session. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So my, my story is kind of unique. I uh, graduated from University of Washington with a uh, degree in construction management. I, I honestly thought I was going to do that the rest of my life. Um, it was just something I was really good at. I was working on high profile projects in San Diego. Uh, specifically the San Diego airport. And so, you know, I'm doing work that is really fruitful. It's satisfying. Um, it, it, it's fantastic. It's, it's a great career. But the thing missing was the, the income. So income was, was also actually really good and I shouldn't complain, but I wanted to rise the ranks faster. And so to do that in the construction world, you know, you have to, you know, basically put in your 20 years of time and work up, you know, the ladder. So I didn't want to wait around that long. So I started researching, you know, different ideas on the internet, thinking about um, different ways that I could, you know, build a business, um, something for myself, um, a way to, you know, just provide um, side income for myself. And Amazon FBA came up and this was um, 2014 when I was doing all this research and, and it wasn't, you know, the gold rush that it is now, but back then there was definitely people writing about it saying, you know, this is a great opportunity. It's really great for people who like to spend time with family. So I have, I have a wife and, and one son, and we just, we love the flexibility of the Amazon world. And, and so it really uh, interest, interested me. Uh, so I got in with my first product um, in 2014. I um, had about $5,000 of my own cash and invested that and then just kept reinvesting, you know, my profits. Uh, back into the business and then really just just really methodically grew the business one product at a time um, on that first uh, golfing product my factory was actually the same factory that that supplies for the PGA Tour um, so that was you know it just kind of reminded me of you know how small the world is and how interconnected the factories are and um, you know that became you know the number one seller in in a golfing category so um, you know that led I think having that first success definitely led to just let's just reinvest and reinvest and spend a lot more time on this. So I, I worked at my job for two years and, um, you know, did both Amazon and my you know career and then, um, uh, you know, started thinking about exiting in probably a 20, 2018, 2017. And why that happened was, um, you know, I was definitely kind of like at a peak in my business and um, I was getting really close to my initial goal number. So a lot of people ask, you know, how did you, how did you know, like how to exit? What, what, what was like the secret recipe? 
Well, for me, I had a, I had a number, it was a mid seven figure number on a vision board. And so from day one of starting my business, you know, my head plans to exit someday. So everything I did was kind of guided towards that end goal. Um, and, um, you know, ended up exiting, um, you know, successfully found a fantastic buyer, uh, used um, a top broker who specializes in e-commerce sales. So um, it really ended up being, um, you know, a dream in the sense of I achieved, you know, my vision board. So it's a really cool story. One where um, really, you know, started out with just a little bit of an investment and, and then grew the business slowly. And I will, I will tell, tell you this, and I don't know, for anyone listening, you know, I didn't take any money out and probably in the first almost up to two years. And so I'm constantly reinvesting and you have to do that to grow your business quickly. And I wanted to, you know, reach my goal in five years. And that was part of the success was I wasn't taking any money out. So any dollar of profit I got, you know, from sales went directly right into expanding my product lines. Um, you know, uh, doing larger purchase orders for Christmas sales. So it was, it was all with that long-term vision in mind um, that, that, that I had that made it successful. Wow. No, that is amazing because we have a saying in Seller App that um, Amazon is a gambling game. Like it's like a casino. So not everyone who puts in money will get returned and you might even um, occur a lot of losses. So for all of you watching out there, I think this session is very important because I think it's going to give you clarity on how you cannot lose money. And if you're just starting your Amazon business, this is the right steps that you can take to ensure that you are able to sell your business at a huge profit. Yeah. So let's begin with the session. Thank you for that inspiring story, John. Yeah, yeah, no so, so to begin with, with the goal of selling your Amazon FBA business, uh, what are the basic things that people should consider from day one? Okay, so there's a couple things that people do wrong, and one is to have you know a bunch of seller accounts. Um, so when a buyer is looking at your business, they're looking at one cohesive, you know, just think about think about just one ecosystem, one just easy reporting, and so uh, setting up. Uh, your Amazon seller account as you know, that's it. You know, don't don't have a bunch of other seller accounts have all your brands everything you do with your products Have it under one seller account. That's gonna make things really easy for reporting um, It's also gonna make a buyer more comfortable because the buyer is gonna ask you questions like hey Did you ever get suspended and, and so a lot of people that have multiple Amazon accounts is because they got suspended and they they shifted all their products over to the other account so from day one, I had one seller account um, that worked really well for, you know, the buyer. The buyer wanted to see that, you know, I had a strong record on that account. And uh, that's something else to consider, too, is, you know, you're going to have the more sales you have on one account, the more lending you're going to get from Amazon. Um, so that's that's a huge benefit because the lending through Amazon is a complete um, well, it's, it's a complete steal in terms of money and interest compared to big banks. Um, so you want everything to be on there. You want as many sales to be on there on that one account as possible. Um, the other thing too, is to set up your LLC from day one. So you want everything separate. A lot of people commingle, you know, personal expenses with business expenses. And that's an absolute nightmare because, uh, when it comes to, you know, doing taxes and doing your, um, you know, business, you know, profit loss statements and things like that. 
that that turns into just just a cluster bomb so what you want to do is keep everything separate from day one so that's as simple as opening a business checking account uh, business credit card and um, having an llc in your state um, so for here in texas you know that's an easy i think it was like maybe like 200 dollars. you file your your llc and uh, that you know protects your business and also keeps it under the umbrella of the llc because when you sell a business, you're actually not selling your business entity. And a lot of people get confused by that. There's two things that happen. 99% of the time you're doing an asset sale. So what that means is the buyer is buying all your listings. They're, excuse me, they're buying their inventory, but they're not going to be buying your LLC. So I kept my business entity because um, there's things like taxes and sales taxes and you know tax history that are tied to that. So a buyer does not want, you know, the liability of those taxes. Um, and so that's why um, it's really important to do that because it's really easy. You just basically peel off the LLC and you give everything related to your Amazon account over to a buyer. Um, and then it's a, just a really, really clean process that way. Yeah, because LLC is something that most of us sellers come asking us doubts about too. So the value of the company goes up if it's registered with LLC. I mean, we've already established that. Uh, so when the taxes are paid and salaries are paid on time and reports are given regularly, that means that you are doing good as a business. That's why I think you should consider LLC. So coming to LLC again, how do you properly set up your LLC? Uh, there's different ways to do it. So um, you just, you know, you register LLC with your state. Um, that's, you know, as simple as filling out the form and, you know, deciding on your business address. Uh, LLC, the real power of it is that it protects you and shields you for from potential liability. So if you were if you were running your business and let's say you sold like a sporting good product um, and it and it injured somebody, um, they, you know, the customer could come after you and and go after your business assets. So they wouldn't be able to sue you for, you know, your, your house, for example. So your house is this, is a personal asset outside of the LLC. So it's kind of like an umbrella, any, anything, any asset in your business under the umbrella of the LLC, um, they can go after. Um, so it, it gives you some liability protection. Um, and, uh, I did an S corp and a lot of people do this, um, from, from the beginning, uh, it just gives you a little bit of, um, tax strategic tax, I don't know, strategy. Um, what it does is you're paying yourself a salary and you're paying employees salaries. And then you're also, you know, running payroll. And so, um, you know, payroll includes things like social security tax, uh, Medicare tax, things like that. And what that does is it, it automatically takes out some of those taxes throughout the year. So you don't have this huge, uh, tax liability, um, you know, come, you know, uh, tax tax day, so um, it was it was a really good uh, you know structure for myself and my business. Um, I was able to get a car lease as well through it, so you can you can run everything through your LLC. So that's kind of fun for people to do. Um, and then I also had an office space, so all of those things are run through the LLC, and they're they're written off uh, you know on your taxes as expenses. Yeah, and I think that's a very safe way to go as well. 
So for our next question, um, I mean, most of the sellers are recommended to sell their products globally because Amazon um, is, I think, a very convenient way to make sure that your products are reaching in a, a lot of different geographical locations. So if a seller wants to sell the products uh, globally, should the company be also registered globally? Like, how does the process go on about that? Yeah. So um, I actually sold in uh, Japan, uh, Europe, uh, Canada, Mexico, and Australia. And um, you actually don't have to be registered there specifically. It's more, it's more of a tax issue. So you, you know, almost every seller I know will do this. You set up your VAT um, tax uh, third-party company and they actually manage your um, your taxes for those for those countries so some countries like the UK whenever you make sales you because you don't live in the UK you have to pay kind of like a foreigner's tax for doing business in their country so um, that's that's the thing that you have to kind of you know manage a little bit but there's companies that you know take care of that for you but I never registered my business in other countries it was all you know through the VAT system and I think the VAT maybe is like an indirect way of, you know, registering because, you know, the UK understood that I was an entity selling in their country. Um, but it's, it's really minimal uh, compared to, you know, all the registration you do in, in the United States. Yeah, and I completely agree with that. Um, and I think there are two ways to go about VAT. So when you're registering uh, with like their local authorities when you're selling in the country, it might be just a little bit cheaper for you. You don't have to pay taxes, especially when it comes to UK for the first six months, if I'm not wrong. So um, you might want to look into that if you're planning to sell your products in different global, uh, global or geographical locations. So now we're coming to uh, talking about products that sell on Amazon. So for people who are using our product research tool, uh, know what is selling and not selling on um, Amazon. But for people who are not using Seller Apps product research tool, go check it out. It's free. So for people who are not uh, using our tool, uh, what according to you is a product that guarantees uh, sells on Amazon? Oh, that is a million dollar question. <laughs> the issue with the brand image is is huge. And so that's, you know, we're probably in my top five things to talk about today. Your, you know, whatever brand you're going with, long gone are the days where, you know, you, you know, sold a bunch of random products on Amazon. Those, those days are long gone. So now it's all about brand image. It's all about telling the story of, you know, how is your product going to make, you know, someone's life better or higher quality of life. And so you have to do that through brand awareness and you have to do that through imagery and video production and um, just so many sellers are just sophisticated now. So you, you have to do these things to compete. So um, in terms of products, uh, I think I think just sticking to some basic fundamentals um, always kept me out of trouble. And now, obviously, you know, I stayed with my you know fundamentals that I, that I tell my clients and and share with people. but it's it's still not 100%. So I probably had an 80% success rate on products, which is, you know, pretty good for the Amazon industry. But even even though everything went through, you know, kind of like a funnel and I got and I screened out, you know, which products were bad, you know, some of my good products that I thought were going to be all-stars ended up not being all-stars for different reasons. So, um, you know, one of one of the top things to do is always look at your net profit. So, never pursue a product that has a really slim margin and the reason why is because you know inevitably you're going to have a lot of 
uh, uh, not factories, uh, sellers that get onto Amazon and start um, undercutting your price. And so you need to have some margin there to, you know, with, for the ability to lower your price someday. So I always tell people, you know, look at 25% net profit. That's, you know, after COGS, that's after um, all your uh, PPC average expenses. And so you have to do a lot of math on each individual product. And so I always tell people math is king because you have, you have to do the math. Otherwise you're flying blind in your business and you have no idea, you know, how successful your product is. And, and so at 25, 25% or higher net profit is always, was always my goal, you know, for product launches. Um, so, you know, sometimes I would lower it a little bit to stay, you know, in competition with other people, but realistically you should always make it your goal to be the premium product in your category. So, you know, you want to kind of pitch yourself as, the higher priced listing is you know, let's say there's 10 sellers you want you want to be in the top two in terms of price and so you know you have to justify that a little bit with quality you have to justify that with maybe you have accessory items your design is the best um your customer service is the best pretty much everything related to your business has to be a plus and um you know that that will show up in the reviews and and over time you do earn it but you definitely have to work at that um, and see another, another thing too is, you know, the price point of a product. I feel like the, the higher price products, you have less competition and, and then sticking in kind of like a mid volume, uh, sales. So, um, I actually never pursued products that were over $50,000 in revenue per month. And so I did that strategically. A lot of people do kind of like have the risk tolerance to go into kind of like the $150,000 a month revenue type products. But for me, I kind of like stayed, you know, below the $50,000 uh, to stay out of trouble. So I didn't want to deal with a million hijackers. I never wanted to deal yeah. with, you know, um, people, um, you know, messing up my keywords in my, in my, in the back end of my listing. So those are all things, you know, people have to think about. And so it allowed me to fly under the radar and build a really successful business. Yeah, very good advice. And I always, always tell people to be their own accountant, because even if you have an accountant of your own, it's very important for you to understand how your business is working because accountant just crunches your numbers. So it's you who makes the decision. So what I follow is a seven multiplier model. So if you're buying a product, let's say at X price, and if you cannot sell it for seven X, that's the seven multiplier model. That means you have to start looking for a new product that can get you like a seven X multiplier profit. If not, five X also works, but I wouldn't go below five X because you need to earn, you need to give yourself a salary as well. Yeah. So now that we're coming to A plus branded content and um, you have to start thinking about branding as John said from day one. Yeah. So we have uh, video production, we have, uh, you can enhance your product listing with images and videos now. So how does A plus content help with your, uh, to help sell your business specifically? And like, what should people keep in mind when they're branding their products? Yeah, yeah, I think I think what's changed is, you know, the type of tasks that you do from day one now with Amazon businesses. Now, uh, you know, when, when, I, when I talk to people, I'm literally saying, you need to do a short video production for your seventh picture and you need to do your A plus content. And if people don't know what A plus, it's, it's, it takes over the um, I call it the, like kind of like the description section of your listing. So it replaces it with um, enhanced images and kind of like just gives the customer 
a different way to kind of learn about your products and the different features that you wouldn't be able to do in, you know, in your listing pictures. Um, and then you can also tell a little bit about your story. You can talk about your mission statement. You know, some companies um, end up talking about different charities that they work with, like, you know, a, per a percentage of their sales goes to, you know, um, uh, you know, to like a charity for like hunger for kids. And, you know, those are really effective ways to kind of share that, that you know, it's, it's bigger than just a business and making money. You're actually doing something with the money. And so the A plus content is where that is. And it's a really powerful tool. And then buyers specifically like it. They like to see it because they want to know that they're taking over a business where they have loyal customer support. And, you know, they, they don't want to have to, you know, do a bunch of video production and do a bunch of A plus content, you know, to get it to that level. They're, they're looking to buy a business that is already there and they can take it and then maybe tweak it a little bit over time, but they want an established brand presence and uh, A plus content. A plus content is, uh, you know, all part of that. Yeah, uh, we had a really nice video with Emma Shimmer Samir about um, A plus content and how you can brand your business. So she talks about the basics from day one to the end of your Amazon journey. It will be linked in the description below or it will be there. Several on the screen, go look it up and you can get started for your Amazon business branding specifically. Now we're coming to variation products. So I understand that uh, if a buyer wants to buy your Amazon FBA business, they would be happy to see a nice spread of, you know, variations with your products. So do you suggest that there should be a healthy split between revenue um, when it comes to variation products or how does one go about splitting the revenue between variation products? Um, so yeah, realistically, you're you're just growing your variations on a listing, and you know, let's say you start with a you know home run product listing, and you only have one color, okay, and that's and that's great. So you have a successful listing, everything's great, and then you add you know maybe a blue and a red and a pink and a yellow, and you know you add all these different colors. So what that's going to do, it's going to increase the one, it's going to increase the revenue on your listing, but it's also going to start naturally splitting your listing up into different revenue spreads. Um, and so that is a really powerful way to actually increase and grow your business. And then buyers, what they want to see is they want to see that, you know, customers are going to, you know, the different variations, not like perfectly even, but they want to see pretty much no more than 25%. You know, they, they don't want to see like one listing out of your entire brand is bringing yep. like 30, 40%. They want to kind of see, you know, smaller chunks across your brand. And so when I say, let me, let me explain it this way. Uh, let's say you have a brand and you have, um, you know, 10 products. So you have 10 listings. They, you know, they don't want to see one listing is soaking up, you know, 50% of your revenue. And the reason why yeah. is because that's risky for them as a buyer, because let's say that that listing gets suspended. Well, what do you do now? You just lost 50% of your revenue. So they want, they want to see that revenue spread out, you know, decent, decently even, uh, but it's really about uh, lowering the risk from a buyer's perspective. And, and that's something that you have to think about. Um, I, when I was building my business, I didn't really think about that per se. It just kind of naturally happened because every single listing I had had variations. And so, um, you know, some, some were all-star listings, uh, but I didn't have anything crazy like 50% of my revenue from one listing. Um, that would be, I think that would probably happen if you had one all-star listing and then you had like 10 just terrible listings. So all my listings had, you know, beautiful pictures, beautiful content. Um, so 
every product I launched had a goal of being successful. And I think that kind of helped, um, you know, naturally have that spread of revenue over my brands. Yeah, that that's very important as well. So now we're coming to a very um, important topic when it comes to maintaining your Amazon FBA business. So what is the best way to approach your monthly bookkeeping and financial reports? Because I have seen so many sellers do it wrong. So what according to you is the best approach? Uh, to, to be honest, this is a funny question because I always outsource this to, to myself. <laughs> so yeah. um, I, I always wanted to see, uh, so what I would do, I set up, I set this up with my CPA. I wanted to see my uh, profit loss statement every single month. Um, and so that, you know, gives you just a, a snapshot of how successful your business is in that moment in time. Um, you know, it tells me a little bit about, about my cash flow and, you know, my cash availability. And, um, and then, uh, yeah, he would do, he would do my, you know, yearly, uh, you know, business reporting and taxes and all that stuff. But honestly, I handed that off, uh, pretty quickly to CPAs, uh, mm -hmm. just because there's so many moving elements, uh, in the business, um, that I wanted to really focus on, you know, product innovation and, and growing my business. Yeah, no, that's a really good option. But again, uh, you have to understand what the numbers are and what you're doing when your Amazon business. So do check out the video that's linked in our description below. It was a session with Amy Wee she, where she will help you understand all your numbers and how you can reduce your cost as well. Be your own accountant people. I mean, do outsource it, but understand your numbers. Yeah, it's uh, probably good to mention that I did use a software called Cash Cow Pro. Um, uh -huh. so that, that is, uh, and I've talked to so many people that don't use it and they're like, cool. that tool exists. I'm like, yes, it exists. So that gives you a real time um, uh, view into your net profit of all of your products. And it, so it gives you all your sales data on a really just beautiful platform. It's, it's an awesome um, experience. It's actually kind of makes the numbers of your business kind of fun just because it's just a great tool. And um, yeah, I mean, you can look at your you know, sales history for the last month, for multiple months, for the last day and you could see uh, pretty quickly what your net profit is that day. So, you know, if you have like strange issues, like, you know, you start seeing your net profit go down on a product, um, you can start, you know, investigating, you know, what what's causing that. It could be like skyrocketing PPC, you know, it could be um, an issue with storage costs. That, that's something that happened all the time. Some of my products would be scanned in and all of a sudden Cash Cow Pro would tell me, hey, your, your net profit went down drastically. And the reason why that happened was when my product came in, Amazon just decided to accidentally mess up the dimensions on the scan uh, with my inbound shipment. So then you have to open up a ticket and get that adjusted correctly. And so you say, you know, I, I want my product re-measured uh, re and, and then it gets fixed. Uh, but software programs like that really help for maintaining, um, you know, net profits and things like that. Yep. And um, for the next question, we have two schools of thought because I've spoken to a lot of people who say that, you know, AI. Um, so this question is about AI and if you should use AI or outsource your product. So the two schools of thoughts being, uh, you know, human touch cannot be replaced by AI, you know, get more employment or we have AI do your work because it can get much cheaper to use um, an artificial intelligence rather than outsourcing workers uh, for your business. So what, according to you, uh, should uh, Amazon uh, seller do? Should they outsource their work or should they use AI? Um, it, it depends. So honestly, most of my outsourced uh, work was 
uh, to actual you know human beings and agencies. So for example, um, I used a PPC agency who um, had a huge team of you know human beings, and uh, they managed my PPC uh, you know uh, down to down to the hour. You know, so they're they're constantly editing and tweaking things. Now they did use software to kind of help them, but they they actually you know by hand were adjusting my PPC campaigns. Uh, also hired a third party uh, marketing company that did um, 100% manual ads on uh, Facebook and Instagram for, uh, for my Shopify websites. Uh, so that was really effective. And then some, I guess AI, the, the AI software that I used, um, I guess you could you can consider CashCow Pro as AI and then, um, you know, using um, a software like SentryKit uh, to monitor all your listings. So uh, what's what's great about that is you don't have you don't have to have an employee, you know, go into each listing every morning and go like, oh, yep. I need to go check everything. So the software actually will, you know, send you an email to let you know, hey, there's a hijacker on your listing or hey, Amazon suddenly removed all your pictures for no apparent reason. And so um, that software, which is called Century Kit, is just a great tool for sellers out there. So it's all about having a perfect balance between those two. Yeah, so, for myself and my business, it was definitely about the balance because I honestly, to this day, I do not trust AI for PPC. Um, I want, you know, real experts, you know, actually looking at my stuff. Um, you know, they're the ones that have relationships with people on Amazon. And, you know, I trust those relationships and, you know, getting getting ahead of the ball for uh, or ahead of the curve for, um, you know, algorithm changes. No, I agree with that, too, because um... I don't think I can trust the relationship that I have built with an AI, but I can trust the relationship that I have built with an actual human. So I completely agree with that. So now we're coming to a section that um, is specifically for you all. So we had a poll on our social media uh, pages regarding the questions uh, to be asked in this session. You asked the questions and John here is going to answer them. So the first question being, what is a hidden FB account and why, why do sellers go for it? Uh, so a lot of people will have a, you know, second or third Amazon account. They might want to split off, you know, some of their brands to, you know, I don't want to call it a hidden account because really nothing's hidden from Amazon. So Amazon knows, you know, they approve your account. Um, so some sellers will do this to kind of spread out risk. Um, so some will, you know, use a VPN, uh, to work both accounts from home. Um, and they'll be able to, you know, put one brand on this account and a couple of brands on that account. And so they do that for, you know, you're spreading around the risk because if you have an account suspended, uh, you can actually, you know, shuttle over um, all of the brands and the SKUs to the other account. Um, I was never too paranoid about that just because um, I was following the terms of service and I was a very like white hat type seller. And so whatever Amazon's rule was, I followed. Um, it's some people who, you know, they're kind of dive into the gray hat and the black hat stuff, you know, that's where, you know, they get a little paranoid and they want to have a, you know, a second account or a third account. Uh, you just have to be really careful with that because Amazon does track IP addresses. And if they see any funny business, they're just going to automatically suspend your account. And so I've seen that happen to sellers. Um, and I'm always recommending to people just open up one account. If you have a business justification for a second account or a secret account, then do it. But you're going to have to have a really good reason because Amazon, you know, especially in the last 12 months, has really cracked down <clears throat> on on, uh, you know, second and third um, seller accounts. 
Yeah. And um, coming to the next question, uh, in my personal experience, I've seen bigger corporates spend almost 30% uh, of their revenue on payrolls. So how does one not overspend on payrolls? Um, I think just focusing on the end goal and for me, it was exiting someday. So, you know, not paying yourself that much money, um, you know, finding, you know, employees that are at a good deal. And for me, um, it, it wasn't actually a good deal in the sense of I hired an American employee with full packet, like, you know, um, uh, full benefits package uh, and did payroll and, and, did, and also had a very healthy salary for that employee. Um, now that was a friend. So, you know, that was a little different. It was a local friend. Um, but I just think that for yourself, you know, to not think about your business. It, this is for someone who's exiting to not think about your business as, you know, I, I want to make like, you know, $150,000 a year. Um, if you are really, truly trying to exit someday, you need to think about every ounce of profit you can put back into your business. And there's books written about this. And if you are, you know, focused on, you know, you know, selling for millions of dollars someday, you're gonna have to, you know, sacrifice a little bit to get there. And some people, you know, end up paying themselves too much and then get into a financial position of, you know, they might, you know, go bankrupt. So, um, you know, when you're trying to exit, you wanna pay yourself uh, very little um, and, you know, utilize that to, you know, get, increase your, your, your bottom line for your business and to grow your brands. Yeah, that's very important. I like the way you said that, you know, focus on the end goal. Do not get lost in the middle because if you set your end goal, I think it's easier for you to streamline through your whole Amazon journey as well. So coming to the last question from you sellers. So in my personal experience, I've seen sellers sell their products at a very cheap rate to um, undercut and eliminate competition. So um, I think we were speaking about this before as well. So what is important to you in an Amazon journey could be either to make profit or to eliminate your competition. Uh, the best example for this could be, um, I don't know if any of you have watched The Office, uh, the show office. So uh, Michael Scott did the same thing with this company. He uh, sold his paper at such a low price to eliminate all the competition. He did not make any profit at all, but there were no competition left. So what, according to you, should a person or a seller concentrate on competition or to earning money? Oh, definitely, definitely just making money because the problem with competing with the sellers that undercut you is that they almost all of them uh, end up going bankrupt and disappear. Um, some of them are from overseas and so they, they can do, you know, the lower prices. So like, for example, I had some Chinese factories that actually, you know, they started their own Amazon business and they were shipping from their factory to Amazon warehouses in America and under, undercutting me on pricing. Um, but what, so some of that stuff can happen, but it's always going to come up in different unique ways. So, so some of the customer service is going to be really poor. Um, you're, it's going to come up in the uh, copywriting on the listing. Uh, it's going to come up in the pictures. Typically the pictures are going to be like, um, just things won't look right in, in the photography. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, they think they're making quick money, but then they're actually negative and go bankrupt. So um, as a seller, your job is not to compete with those guys. They're, they're always going to come and go just constantly. Your job as a seller is to be in the top three or top five sellers of that, of that product 
and to be the premium product and to deliver that brand message because a lot of those companies don't have a brand message. They're just selling a really cheap product. So for example, I had a um, outdoor kids products line and um, the, the thing that made my brand unique was, you know, um, just professional video production and uh, photography and uh, just a really strong media, uh, social media presence and delivering on the brand message of, you know, uh, you know, getting kids to, you know, rediscover the great outdoors. So, um, you know, that allowed me to keep my premium price. And so some guys came in at, you know, $50 when I'm selling my product at $90. And, you know, yeah, they, they probably, you know, took some of my sales, but my business just continued to grow because customers were coming to, you know, Amazon and noticing, oh, wow, he, you know, he's put a lot of effort into his quality. You know, so I used higher end materials for my products. Um, I had way better pictures and I had the most reviews because, you know, I've been selling for, you know, a few years. So customers in Amazon are very smart. And so they're, they're not just like buying, you know, they're, they're not all going to go over to a cheaper listing just because, um, if there is a legitimate leader in a, in a category, uh, they're going to go with that listing. And, you know, I do that myself. My wife does this too. We, you know, shop for products in Amazon and we're going to go with, with the trusted brand that has a presence. And we're going to go with, you know, probably brands that we've purchased from before, just because there's a random company at 50% lower price does not mean I'm going to buy from them because, you know, it's a different company entity. Um, you know, the quality might not be there. So I think people do think about these things and just maintaining your presence as the premium product is, is key. Uh, basically, you know, don't, don't try to compete with their pricing because you're never going to win with that strategy because you know you're putting a lot of effort into your photography and your video production so you know you've invested money into those things so you know continue to be the premium company in your category and kind of ignore some of the noise yeah that's very well said and i would suggest the same thing as well uh for me um money is more important than eliminating competition because I think it's too much of a risk like what if you don't succeed and uh, we know that few countries can produce uh, almost the same quality of products at a cheaper rate so I wouldn't suggest um, bidding this way. All right so coming to the next question um, what are the most common mistakes that you have seen Amazon sellers make when they're trying to sell their Amazon FBA business? Uh, easily easily the number one mistake is you sign a contract with a buyer and everything's great you know you've negotiated the price there's going to be a three to five month process going forward so buyer or sorry sellers uh sometimes kind of hold they kind of slow down on their growth in their business and they're kind of like oh like i have a i have an agreement signed everything's great and i'm gonna you know stop launching products i'm gonna stop growing my business and then their business takes it takes a nosedive and so what happens is the bank financing pulls out of the deal and then the buyer pulls out of the deal because now they're like, wow, that tells me a lot about the seller. You know, they just, they kind of ditch their business. And so that kills deals all the time. So it's hard as a seller to do this, but you have to continue to launch products. You have to continue to grow your business. And yeah, some of that growth you're handing over for free pretty much to the buyer because you know your multiples based on the previous tax year so you know there's a little heartburn there but that's just part of the business world that's that's you know that's also part of the risk 
that, you know, you, you give that risk to the buyer and the buyer, you know, gets the benefit gets the benefit of you know what you did because you know they're they're spending millions and millions of dollars to buy your business so um that's just you know part of it you know so you you have to stay focused uh during the exit because there's there's a lot of uh documents and, and financial updates that you know banks are going to ask you for um so that's easily the number one thing that um you know the number one mistake that i see yeah and i think i was not aware of the process as well so thank you for letting me know if i was selling my amazon business i would have easily made the mistake that you have just told me so look out for that mistake sellers all right so um this is kind of a rhetorical question that i want to ask you so if you were able if you were to start your amazon business again uh from scratch and you only had thousand dollars on your name how would you do it and what would you do differently um i would probably tap into some credit from the very beginning and kind of inject capital um, there's a there's a million different ways to do that you can do like small bank lending you could do local banks in your community some people tap into um, their um, home equity loans and things like that um, you obviously don't want to um, extend yourself on your mortgage but there's there's different creative ways to tap some capital even if it's like ten thousand dollars to help you um, so if I had a thousand dollars that um, you know if I didn't have availability for um, capital, uh, probably start with a small product and just be extremely diligent with the math and making sure the net profit was there. And, um, you know, with a budget that small, um, that's really, really tough. I always tell people, you know, have have 5,000, between five and 10,000 to invest. Um, so $1,000 would, you know, definitely prevent you from doing, you know, the expensive video production and pictures and things like that. So, you know, you, you would have to do your own pictures and you know that's that's something that you can do from the very beginning just you know cameras at home are actually so powerful now that you can do that um and and then just sourcing just a small little test test order so when i first started my golfing product was you know a dollar a unit and i sourced it for 250 dollars. so i did a 250 unit order and you know tested the market and you know once once i got all the money from that i reinvested you know into into the business um, so it's definitely doable, but, um, yeah, in terms of, you know, competing out there now, you just, you have to do fantastic pictures and you have to do video production and a plus content. So, um, yeah, I definitely recommend to get more than a thousand, you know, just try to find those different ways to get capital, uh, from different banks and things like that. Yeah, because I'm sure that a lot of things have been has changed from where you started from and now that we Amazon platform has changed. So I'm sure when you started your Amazon business, we didn't have, um, let's say, video videos for your listing. Um, yeah. So and um, there are rumors in the in the in the sky that Amazon is coming up with four new strategies for your four new uh, types of advertisements. So look out for that next month and we'll see how it is and then We'll come up with strategies according to that. All right. So I think there's no better way to end this session than to ask you, let's talk about the other side of the coin. So if you were to buy an Amazon business, what things you should look out for? Um, so when I sold my business, I was extremely transparent. I think you should be extremely careful if the seller of a business is withholding information or kind of fighting you on, you know, seeing reports. So for example, uh, during the process, uh, there's a, a phase called due diligence where a due diligence officer is actually hired by a buyer of the business 
and he will actually go and dig into every single report on Amazon. And so, you, you know, you, you're required to provide read-only access to that. And, you know, they crunch all the numbers and they're basically making sure that everything lines up with what you've said in, in you know, phone interviews and things like that. Uh, but if, if, there, if there was any hesitation on the seller or um, uh, delays in getting reports um, or, you know, some reports maybe look like they were edited or something, I would be extremely cautious with that because a strong buyer um, is going to, you know, or sorry, a strong seller is going to you know have strong reports and, and is not going to have hesitation and so even down to my tax returns like go ahead look at my tax returns um so that's that's the number one thing to look for is um you know as a buyer looking for a business that has an owner who um you know is really transparent in the process uh, and then also uh you're going to be working with this person for a year so like for example for my exit i'm actually still working with uh, the buyer of my business for uh, ongoing training. So in, the personalities, you know, should have a good match. Otherwise, it's going to be a very painful 12 months. Um, so, you know, you find that out through phone interviews and emails, just kind of like how they work. As long as, you know, you're getting along, then that's a really, really great sign. But if you already, you know, have a combative seller, um, that might uh, come up in uh, training. Uh, and so you don't want, you just don't want to run into that. You want, you want to buy from a company that, is willing to you know um, stick with the, with the um, uh, the seller wants to stick with the buyer and to work together for that twelve month period for training to make sure their business handover is successful. Very important again, and I think this is where the trust with LCC comes into picture. So I think if I was a buyer looking to buy Amazon businesses, I would definitely consider the first. Uh, parameter to be you know that they're LLC, LLC registered so do like look out for that um, thank you I think this was a very informative session this is everything that you need to know about um, selling your Amazon business if we have missed out on something uh, do uh, link the question below do comment the question below and we will get back to you immediately uh, I would like to take this moment to um, thank you John and if you would like to add anything now you can add that right now yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. It was a, it was an honor to come on here and to share my story. Um, I I had a kind of a transition period when I sold my business. Um, I had kind of had a light bulb moment of you know what do I do next? And so I actually started consulting uh, FBA sellers, and um, I just have gotten so tired of seeing you know the Lamborghini guys on YouTube and Facebook that I wanted to you know provide an honest, transparent, authentic experience. And so I work one on one with sellers at BlackLabelAdvisor.com. And uh, if you want to just shoot me an email, you can use the contact form or uh, email me at John Elder at blacklabeladvisor.com. Um, but it, it's really just a different experience. A lot of agencies out there for consulting, um, you know, will have a huge team of employees in, that are working with you that really don't have Amazon experience. Um, so when I work with my clients, I'm sharing all my knowledge from my experience with, um, you know, running my business for five years and selling for a mid seven figure exit. Um, so it's been a real joy just to work with clients, um, both veteran sellers and new sellers and just helping people, you know, not make some of the, some of the mistakes I made. Yep. And that's why we have Seller Speak sessions to understand from the mistakes that the sellers have made and we learn as a group collectively. So thank you so much for joining the session, John. If you like this video, make sure to like the uh, like button if you... 
didn't subscribe to our channel already do subscribe and hit that bell icon so you get notified for every video that we post and join the seller app community and check out our free tools and let us help scale your amazon journey so i will see you next week in another seller speak session so goodbye for now